If I had been with Jesus on that mountaintop, I wonder how I would have reacted. Would I have been as frightened as Peter and James and John? Probably. The rabbi, Jesus, transformed with clothes dazzling white. Moses and Elijah showing up like ghosts. And then above the sky darkening, a cloud appearing, and out of the cloud, the voice of God? Yeah, definitely frightened. Later, coming down the mountain with Jesus, I wonder how I would have felt being told to keep everything that just happened a secret? How could anyone keep that a secret? Not that I would have been able to explain what had just happened. Um, a cloud showed up and started to talk, saying something about Jesus? Peter and James and John, even though they didn't know exactly what had happened, left the mountaintop having learned that their rabbi was a lot more special than they had realized. Jesus, the Son of God. Back then, Son of God didn't necessarily mean what it does today after 2,000 years of Christian doctrine. Son of God simply meant someone who had a special standing with God, someone who stood in God's presence and communicated God's word. I wish I had something like that shiny mountaintop moment today. I wish I could be with four other people, six if you count Moses and Elijah, not over a phone or a computer screen, but in person and feel the presence of the divine. Of course, I'm grateful for the technology that allows us to be together safely. But connecting over the screen is not the same as in person. I wish I had a shiny mountaintop moment to revive my spirit, to reconnect with the energy shared when a cloud covers the sun and everyone shivers at the same time. Or when a voice resonates through the air and everyone feels its vibrations in their bodies. Of course, I know that one day we will gather in person, and until then, I am trying to be patient. Today at Middle, we celebrate the Lunar New Year. The Year of the Ox began on Friday. And although we can't welcome in the New Year, as we usually do, we're glad to be here together today. This year, we can't gather on the streets of Chinatown for lion dancers and drums. This year, we can't gather in person with our families for food and laughter and the usual family arguments. As we clean house before the new year, we wish we could sweep away the loneliness of isolation with one long string of red firecrackers, we wish we could drive away the despair of the pandemic, the stress, the fear, the grief, the boredom. At Middle, we acknowledge that not all Asian cultures celebrate Lunar New Year. 
and at the same time we use the occasion to celebrate the lives of all our Asian siblings. Being a part of Middle has helped me explore my identity as an Asian in the United States. For all my adult life, I've asked myself how I, a non-white, non-black person, in a society whose racial problems are largely framed as black and white, how can I help bring about racial equity? As a non-white person, I have been discriminated against because of my race. I've been denied jobs, and I've been significantly underpaid, or not paid at all, for the work I've done. As a non-white person, I clearly see when leaders in schools, corporations, and churches are not able to see or not willing to challenge their white institutional power. I've been discriminated against because I am not white, but I've also not been oppressed in ways black people are. As a non-black person, I do not put my life at risk when I walk in an all-white neighborhood or talk to a police officer. I am a racial minority, but my life is not in danger in ways the lives of black Americans are. In fact, I sometimes have an advantage because of my race in some situations, like getting into a good college, getting hired in certain professions, and getting promoted to junior management positions, being Asian helps me. I call this contextual privilege. In some contexts, Asian Americans are seen as equal or even superior to whites. And in other contexts, Asian Americans are set aside as perpetual foreigners who will never truly belong. Seeing and naming my contextual privilege has helped me fine-tune my question about being non-white and non-black. That is, how do I use the privilege I do have in the contexts I have them to help bring about racial equity? How do I use the privilege I do have to change the story of racial injustice in the United States? One way I'm answering this question is by finding and sharing stories about Asians in the U.S. Some of you know I'm working on a book, I've been working on it for a long while, about the 1896 U.S. Supreme Court decision Plessy v. Ferguson. You've heard of separate but equal? This was the decision that said that separate but equal was constitutional that under U.S. federal law, Jim Crow laws requiring segregation of the races was okay. Plessy v. Ferguson permitted racial segregation in the U.S. until Brown v. Board of Education in 1954. And of course, many public institutions were actually not desegregated until much later. You might know separate but equal, but do you know how Plessy versus Ferguson was influenced by Chinese in the U.S.? 
Some of you have heard me talk about this before, that both the majority opinion and the dissenting opinion use the experiences of Chinese in the U.S. to make their arguments. Both sides. For example, in the dissenting opinion, saying Jim Crow was bad, Justice John Marshall Harlan noted that under the law in question, Chinese people were allowed to travel in the same railroad car as whites. At that time, Chinese people weren't allowed to become citizens, so Harlan argued that if non-citizens like Chinese were allowed to travel in a railroad car with whites, why shouldn't black Americans who shared the bonds of citizenship with whites be allowed to? Harlan was trying to unite whites and blacks, although unfortunately he did so by othering the Chinese. The majority opinion in Plessy v. Ferguson also used an example of Chinese in the U.S. to support its argument. Why the Chinese? In the 1890s, Chinese only made up about one-tenth of 1% 1 of the U.S. population. One-tenth of 1% 1 of the U.S. population. Yet, their presence shaped the, the racial imagination of the nation. Chinese and Japanese in the 19th century U.S. impacted how white and black Americans understood their relationship with each other. The stories connected with Plessy versus Ferguson remind us, one, we have power. Even those who are small in number, like Chinese people in 19th century U.S., have power. And sometimes we have more power than we realize. Two, we can use our power to divide, or unite. Use your power to unite and remember to include everyone, no othering. And three, our power to unite comes from God. On the mountaintop, Peter and James and John saw and heard and felt power that comes from God. As much as I wish for something like that shiny mountaintop moment today, maybe outside with social distancing and masks, I know that most likely I will not have an in-person shiny mountaintop moment anytime soon. Most likely my spirit will not be revived in that way for a while. And as a person of faith, I have to have faith that that's okay. It sucks, right? It sucks. But it's okay. It will be okay. I have faith that I 
have more power than I realize. I have faith, even when I'm feeling like my spirit needs reviving, that I do have the power to unite, to change the story of injustice. And that power comes from something bigger than me. That power is divine. And because it is divine, that power is limitless. Today we celebrate together as a family the beginning of a new year. Right here, wherever you are, right now, whenever you are watching this, you are being offered a new start, a new start that is rooted in the faith that you have the power to change the world. It's a new year. It's a new day. It's a new shiny moment. Time to shine.